Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. I tell you guys all the time, always bet on red. And I hope you cashed on all of your Kansas City bets this season. All of the odds, props, promos, and parlays are available at Bet Online Sportsbook. You can use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus with the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. I hope you all are having a fantabulous Super Bowl Monday. We are late into the night on Super Bowl Sunday at the time with which we are recording this. I have been celebrating and celebrating and celebrating my baby boy Patrick Mahomes doing what he always do. Kansas City wins the Super Bowl 38-35. to We're going to run through the game. We're going to run through a handful of storylines real quick. The halftime show was awesome. I'm 21 years old. I love halftime shows where I actually know the music that's being played at the halftime show and listen to the music being played at the halftime show. It was nice. And we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about Kansas City. We're going to talk about Philadelphia and run through as much of this game as I can muster with the energy that I still have left after a crazy, crazy victory for Kansas City. First thing I'm going to say off the front end here, been consistent on this for three to four years. Always bet on red means to me that this team is a dynastic run. Like Kansas City is a team that you should always bet on. They're not going to be able to win every time. Not everyone can win every time. They are hitting through five years of Mahomes, Andy Reid, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game statistically, the greatest offensive coach in the history of football. In their five years together, they are hitting at a higher rate than at any point along the road in the Patriots' run of success. They are hitting at every level of of success when it comes to making it to Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls, and making it to AFC Championship games with all of the team-centric victories. They are on a pace unmatched by any in NFL history through five seasons, and there's no reason that this is going to slow down. And so always bet on red is a mantra that I've been put to for years now. And this Super Bowl game is a perfect highlight of why that is the case. Because when you subtract Tariq Hill, Daniel Sorensen, Charvarius Ward, 
Tyran Matthew, fundamental pieces of the first four-year run for Kansas City, your problems are a lot less so when you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to make things a little bit easier. Everything gets a little bit easier when you have those foundational pieces. If you pull one of the foundational pieces, obviously the thing is going to fall apart. And to be honest, back when they won their first championship and I was first beginning to do this sports talk analysis thing, I thought that Tariq Hill was one of those fundamental pieces of what Kansas City was as a football team. And to pull Tyreek Hill out of the equation, I now recognize, and I recognized a year ago, that he was not one of those foundational pieces. That my analysis was incorrect as I learned more about this football thing. The foundational pieces are Mahomes and Andy Reid. You can take away all the other pieces bit by bit, and certainly it's going to be difficult to overcome. When you have that great of a competitive advantage, it will get you to this point every single year. Not necessarily to winning the Super Bowl, but get you to the Final Four. Get you to playing in the Super Bowl. Regardless of the cast that you put around, as long as you give that stability, you are in a position to compete every single year. And even when you don't give it stability, like what happened with the offensive line in the Super Bowl against Tampa, they still are able to get to the Super Bowl. It's that level of a competitive advantage Many of us thought we weren't going to see anything like the Patriots ever again, and the Patriots have put on a a longevity case that might never be matched, and regardless of whether we do the comparison points, this is the only time I'm going to mention the Patriots tonight as my mind is racing. Regardless of whether you want to play the longevity game, the fact that we have this level of greatness back in the NFL back-to-back with the Patriots is something that I think we should enjoy because... Bill Belichick's offensive counterpart in terms of what we associate as genius or, you know, the most successful offensive coach in the history of the NFL and Andy Reid compared to Belichick in the defensive side of the ball, you've given him the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. And you can see the results of that with Patrick Mahomes after re-aggravating his ankle injury on the sack by TJ Edwards, putting together 13 for 14 for 93 yards, add in the game-winning 26-yard run up the middle that ended up setting up the game-winning field goal. Put that all together into this wacky, wild equation, and you have a team that's going to get to the end every time, overcome a 10-point deficit to win the Super Bowl for the second time, and wins a Super Bowl while allowing more points than any Super Bowl winner in the history of the sport. 35 points by the Eagles set a Super Bowl record for most points most points scored by a losing team, and on the flip side, most points allowed by a winning team. So those are just some macro-level pictures. We'll talk more about the Tariq Hill part of it specifically as we go along. Just the fundamental pieces being pulled out, and I said this going back to the start of last year because I've been saying it for three years. I bet on Kansas City every single time because if you bet on that, if you bet on red every single time, you're going to be wrong sometimes. You're going to be way more right than you would trying to do any other type of football analysis because at the end of the day, the thing that's always going to come up the most consistent is the greatest quarterback in the history of football paired with the greatest offensive coach in the history of football. And as long as you have those fundamental pieces, they're going to win way, way, way more often than they're going to lose. 
And I think Kansas City has an absolute right to want some respect on their name. This is the way Travis Kelsey said post game. Next time you talk about Kansas City, puts next time you talk about us, put some respect on Kansas City. I think they deserve the respect. I think they deserve all, and not from me. I said last year that they had the greatest four year run of any football team ever, and then they come back, retool the roster, and win a Super Bowl in their first year removed from those guys. Like they are, they are the greatest five year run. You can pick any out of a bucket. The greatest five year run of my lifetime, certainly. The Patriots had two that are right there. Certainly, this is the most dominating five year run any team has had in my lifetime, which is not a long lifetime. It is a lifetime of two decades. And what Kansas City has done is absolutely incredible. Moving to the game. After the macro level points, let's get down into the minutia of this football game. First half was really interesting. It was fun. There were points being scored. There was giant switches in momentum, like a fumble. Uh, Jalen Hurts' fumble six is the thing I want to start with here. And there's other stuff that happened before that, like the Eagles going right down the field, five-minute drive, five passes, four runs, a five-minute touchdown drive right off the bat, doing basically whatever they want against that Kansas City defense that had no answers for A.J. Brown or for Jalen Hurts in the running game. They were impeccable to start the game off. And if we fast forward, and then Kansas City going right down the field, they had uh, the scripted, man, when you give Andy Reid two weeks with scripted plays, man, he had a 20-yard completion, an 8-yard scramble from Mahomes, 23 yards from Pacheco, and then a 25-yard touchdown to Travis Kelsey. It was three minutes, it was right down the field, and it's the reason why Kansas City even had a chance in this game, because... Philadelphia had a superior offensive line. They had a superior pass rush, a superior secondary, and a superior running game against Kansas City. And what Kansas City had was the ability to do whatever the fuck they want whenever the fuck they wanted to on offense. And Philadelphia knew this. This is why Philadelphia was able to hold Patrick Mahomes to eight minutes on the field in the first half. They didn't just win time of possession. They dominated it in a way that's like like Philadelphia against the Houston Texans kind of dominating time of possession. They kept Pat Kansas City scored a touchdown on their first drive, then they punted to Philadelphia and then they had the play at the end of the half that Patrick Mahomes got injured. They had three offensive possessions in the entire first half, amounting to eight total minutes of offensive football. Granted, the reason it was only three offensive possessions was where we started off this analysis, which is Jalen Hurts stumbling, dropping a football, kicking it away from himself, and then having it get picked up by Nick Bolton untouched for, a believe, a 33-yard touchdown or a 40-something yard touchdown. Like... Beyond the play itself going Kansas City's way, because the best defense for Kansas City is turnovers and Patrick Mahomes having the ball on offense. We'll talk about the second part of that more later. The fact that Philadelphia gave them a kicked ball that ended up going their way for a strip six where Jalen Hurts was untouched on the fumble, kicked the ball himself away from where the offensive players were like just fundamentally 
it was incredible to watch. Also, I misspoke earlier. They had four offensive series. I forgot about the missed field goal by Butker. That ended up getting evened out at the end by Kansas. It was 24-21. Uh, the Eagles had that eight-minute, 17-play drive in the third quarter. The, I think it was the Eagles' only drive of the third quarter. Kansas City holding them to a field goal on that drive kind of evened out the missed field goal by Butker. So even though Butker missed a field goal, it didn't have an impact on the end of the game because Kansas City got a big hold on Philadelphia in the third quarter off an eight-minute drive that should not have been a hold under the normal circumstances of Kansas City doesn't have a great red zone defense and the Eagles have a very I have the best red zone offense in the NFL and on every other Eagles possession they scored a touchdown on their other four drives into the red zone they got it in so getting one hold by Kansas City evened out the missed Butker field goal back to the point before I just couldn't believe it happened the way it did like beyond, like if Kansas City had had a defensive touchdown it wouldn't have been the most shocking thing in the world. Granted, Philadelphia doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Defensive touchdowns can happen to everyone, and they were way more likely to happen to Philadelphia than it was to happen to Kansas City if you were going to see a defensive touchdown. It was just the way that that happened with a stumble, fumble, kick by Jalen Hurts without being touched by the defense and then kicking it in such a way that there was no chance for his teammates to catch up to the ball. I just thought it was remarkable the way that it went down. Beyond the missing it the first time, I just thought it was remarkable how they got to that point. Philadelphia went right down the field after that, and uh, the strip six, or the Jalen Hurts, uh, I guess you could call it a kick, st- kick six in a way, I know it's a different kind of kick six, but Jalen Hurts kicked the ball to Nick Bolton, and Nick Bolton took it for a touchdown. After the defensive touchdown, there was nine minutes and 20 seconds left to go in the the second quarter when that happened. Philadelphia held the football for eight minutes and 50 seconds after that play. Kansas City had the ball for 40 seconds the rest of the half after the defensive touchdown, which meant that if you take into account the uh, A.J. Brown touchdown right before that then led to the Kansas City punt, Kansas City held the ball for four minutes in the final 16 of the half, and Philadelphia outscored them 20, or sorry, 17 to 7, the only seven coming on a defensive touchdown. That's an incredible half of football by Philadelphia, and they were able to do whatever they wanted on offense. Like we said off the top when we were doing macro-level conversation, the Eagles scored the most points of any losing team in a Super Bowl ever. We talked about going in how Kansas City has a perfectly mid-defense, and they're young in a way that's not the good kind of young, like the inexperienced kind of young. Which, that was on full display when Trent McDuffie, who we had been saying all year, Walter and I were talking about it on our preview podcast. Trent McDuffie had been awesome all season, and he got burned by A.J. Brown. With double coverage, by the way. With double coverage, he got burned on the A.J. Brown touchdown. I think it was like a 50-plus yard touchdown to A.J. Brown. He got burned on that play. And you had zero sacks from the Kansas City front seven, which isn't a huge problem because 
best offensive line in football, a linebacking and defensive line unit that has three players in their first or second year. Obviously, adding Chris Jones and Frank Clark, who didn't have a sack, is great job by the Eagles' offensive line. The Eagles being able to convert third and one eight out of nine times, and the one time they didn't, they converted the fourth down on a... Um, it was the one at the goal line where... Uh, not the one at the goal line. The one at midfield where... I believe it was Derek Nottie jumped offside for Kansas City. There were two offside plays by Kansas City. One was on third down at the goal line. One was on fourth down that got them a first down. They didn't really do anything on defense, and the Eagles did whatever they wanted, especially in the first half. And when we got to the second half, the game plan for Kansas City was keep Philadelphia off the field offensively. Because I said coming into the game, the best defense for Kansas City is turnovers and offense. Long drives on offense by Patrick Mahomes. Because I said it earlier, the the Eagles had a superior offensive line, a superior running game. They have a superior pass rush. They have a superior secondary. They probably even have a superior linebacking core, even if the linebacking core is the weak link of the Eagles. Kansas City's great advantage is they can do whatever they want on offense whenever they want it. And so when they got the ball on offense in the second half, they did whatever they wanted whenever they wanted to. And the way they got around that was holding the football on these long possessions. When Kansas City got the ball to start the half, they had eight minutes of total offense for the entire game when they got the ball to start the second half. They then ran a five-minute, 45-second touchdown drive to start the half to cut it to 24-21. They had no negative yardage plays on that drive. And they went down the field in six minutes and did whatever they wanted with the football. It was a Pacheco run. It was a a pass play to Kelsey. It was a pass play to Juju Smith-Schuster. And it ended with, uh, that was the touchdown to that was not the touchdown to Tony. That was the um, Pacheco touchdown. And they basically did whatever they wanted to, whenever they wanted to, and just went right down the field on on Philadelphia and were able to hold the football for an extended period of time. And then the Eagles got the ball back, and they ran an eight-minute field goal drive. And like I said a little bit earlier, the turning point of the game was Butker missed field goal. Kansas City's defense made up for it by holding Philadelphia to a field goal on that 24-21 drive. Because an eight-minute drive for Philadelphia that doesn't even get to the goal line is a massive success for Kansas City. If Philly can hold the ball eight minutes and score three points, that is a massive, massive swing for Kansas City. And that's exactly what happened, and Kansas City got the ball back with two minutes to go in the third quarter. Both teams only held the ball for one possession of the third quarter, basically for 13 minutes of it. And then Kansas City got the ball, and it was Juju Smith-Schuster right down the field, three three consecutive catches, moved the ball into the red zone, and every single time I was sitting there hitting that juju on that beat, juju on that beat, juju on that beat, yeah, juju on that beat, slide, drop. I was excited for juju to make those catches. And then by the time he got to the third one, I thought he was going to get the touchdown on the drive also, but by the time he got to the third one, I was bringing back the Corvette Corvette, and look, I have, I've talked before, I don't like how the Corvette Corvette thing turned out because it was 
it was a lot of people who were commenting, like hating on Juju for making TikToks on logos and stuff. The same stuff they do to Jackson Mahomes for people who are bagging on TikTok. Man, I saw a whole lot of gay slurs in that comment section on those Juju Smith-Schuster posts, and that's when I realized, oh, you guys aren't just mad. You guys are mad at this not because he's, like, disrespecting the rules of the game. Y'all just being homophobic. Y'all being homophobic. I don't want to be the guy who bags on the dude who does it because y'all are being homophobic. Even if you aren't dropping gay slurs in comment sections, the hatred is fueled by homophobia. Same thing with Jackson Mahomes. When a man shakes his ass on camera, all of a sudden people are like, oh my god, I hate this so much. Look, it's the same thing. Just wanted to bring that up again since Juju and Jackson Mahomes were in the spotlight going into this game. Just want to bring up the fact y'all bagging on him is homophobic as shit. Just putting it out there. Anyways, so... Juju gets those catches, they get the touchdown on the reverse to Kadarius Toney, they take the lead at that point, they've scored two consecutive touchdowns, we're now into the fourth quarter at this point, they've scored two consecutive touchdowns, and then you have the punt return, the longest punt return in NFL history. Kansas City didn't need all that help, but it certainly was a benefactor to just know that they were going to get a touchdown, like... Philadelphia's defense could have stepped up. They could have broken past Wiley or Creed Humphrey and finally gotten that sack of Patrick Mahomes that they had that had eluded them all game. Man, Tony taking that punt down to the five yard line just made life easy peasy lemon squeezy for Kansas City. Because when Kansas City took an eight point lead and had a twenty one to three run to start the second half, that was a moment where you look up and it's like, okay, Kansas City's in control again. And like I said, the best defense is is offense holding time of possession for Kansas City. But if Kansas City can get defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdowns, and force a three and out of Jalen Hurts coming off of them taking the first lead of the game, you know what? All the power to you, Kansas City. If you can pull, if you can pull all of that off, more power to you to be able to take that lead in that point and go up. 21 to 3. Now, this brings up something that I wanted to re emphasize from earlier. Because earlier I was talking about how when you remove the core pieces of the previous four years for Kansas City, because we all recognize it, Kansas City went through a transition this past season. Like, we all saw it in front of our eyes. And I kept repeating it like Tariq Hill, Daniel Sorensen, Taran Matthew, and Charvarius Ward, these were fundamental pieces of what Kansas City was doing for the last four years. And you took away all of them at the same time. And the way Kansas City opted to replenish those pieces was primarily through the draft and with players on rookie contracts. And the reason that was the case is, one, they had a shit ton of draft picks. And two, Patrick Mahomes is now making $46 million against the salary cap. By the way, Patrick Mahomes, first quarterback making more than $27 million a year to win a Super Bowl. And to have Kadarius Toney, who they traded a third-round pick for, he's making first-round pick money, but he's in his second season, a former first-round pick who they got for a third-rounder, and have Sky Moore, a second-round pick, with a draft pick they got in the Tariq Hill trade. When they flipped Tariq Hill to Miami, they got the second-round pick that became Sky Moore. Have Tony score the touchdown right before, return the punt to the five-yard line, 
and then have Sky Moore score the touchdown to go up 35-27, that's where I'm talking about when I say that, yes, you remove those Tariq Hill, Daniel Sorensen, Terran Matthew, Traverius Ward fundamental pieces of the last four years, thinking that they would fall apart and miss the playoffs or not win the AFC West was silly because all of their problems are less of problems when you have the greatest quarterback in the history of football in his prime along with the greatest offensive coach in the history of football. When you have those two fundamental pieces, all of your other problems become secondary. They reinvented themselves. They redefined the way that they play offense where you saw after Mahomes got hurt, I said it earlier, 13 for 14 for 92 yards. He's averaging 7 yards of completion, throwing 14 cons- 13 consecutive completions, basically. When they played Houston and they were in trouble earlier in the season, Patrick Mahomes completed 18 consecutive passes. These were not things that defined Patrick Mahomes in his first four seasons. They were the run-and-gun offense. They were beating out safeties who were not defending Tariq Hill deep. And if you did defend Tariq Hill deep, they'd beat you in the middle with Kelsey. And if you defended those well enough, well, Mahomes would just run around and buy time until those guys eventually got open. This time, they were three seconds or less offense. They were short, quick completions. They were the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, also happens to have the biggest arm and the mobility to buy time for players to get open. I know I just said Patrick Mahomes is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Statistics back up that Patrick Mahomes just might be the most accurate quarterback in the NFL if you ask him to just throw short and intermediate throws. He's going to take the deep ball. You want him to take the deep ball because that's a skill set that benefits him. When you just ask him to throw short and intermediate, he is the most accurate quarterback quite possibly in the NFL. It's hard to measure these things exactly correctly because different statistics, of course, exist. He is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL in the short and middle of the field. Or intermediate's a better way to phrase it. And you saw that in the second half, and you saw that when you take away Tariq Hill, you can make that happen with Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore. Second-round picks and third-round picks, I know they had to trade for Toney, but they gave up a third-round pick. Second round picks and third round picks end up being the ones who score touchdowns in the Super Bowl and are the reason, as Greg Olson was talking about on the broadcast, why Kansas City increased their offensive output from last season. They averaged 28.7 points per game last year. They averaged 29.7 this year. Patrick Mahomes had more passing yards than any quarterback in, or more yards of offense than any quarterback in NFL history. The reason that's the case is short, intermediate throws because that's what you're being given. And they did it with six, seven, eight, nine different receivers per game. That's not like throughout the season. Per game, they were having an average of seven receivers catch a pass. Compare that to San Francisco in the playoff game against Dallas. Four players had a catch. One of them was Jawan Jennings who had a single catch in the game. That's the comparison point for Kansas City. Seven players per game were making a catch. That is four receivers, two running backs, two tight ends. That's what Kansas City was doing with their offense because that's what personnel dictated and because Patrick Mah- and because that's the way defenses were starting to play them with two high safeties and double teams on Travis Kelsey and Tariq Hill. 
Kansas City pivoted, and you saw Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney's touchdowns at the end of the Super Bowl in the second half during a 21-3 run, that was exactly the offense Kansas City intended to run when they recreated that roster. Short, intermediate slant throws. Patrick Mahomes is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. That's just the way that they choose to win, and it goes back to the thing I said earlier. They can do whatever the fuck they want, whenever the fuck they want on offense, and despite having a worse offensive line, not by much, but a worse offensive line, a worse pass rush, again, not by much, a worse uh, secondary, potentially a worse linebacking core, and a significantly worse rushing offense than the Philadelphia Eagles in a game where Jalen Hurts broke the all-time record quarterback or running back for touchdowns rushing. He tied Terrell Davis for most rushing touchdowns in the history of the Super Bowl. He's a quarterback. Despite that all being stacked against them, the ability to do whatever the fuck they want, whenever the fuck they want on offense is the great strength of Kansas City, and you saw that in their pivot to Tony and Sky Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster on slant routes, three consecutive completions that led to a touchdown drive. That's what Kansas City wanted to do, and it's really interesting to watch that play out in front of our eyes in the Super Bowl where those two players specifically, the guy who was drafted with a pick acquired in a Tariq Hill trade and a guy who was a third-round pick flip, in Kadarius Tony to see those two players be the foundation of a 21 to 3 run reemphasizes the analysis that I knew was true from the beginning is that your problems are a lot less so when you have the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football statistically and the greatest offensive head coach in the history of football so at this point it's 35 to 28 Kansas City just straight misses a route. Devonta Smith gets the ball to the goal line. Philadelphia scores a touchdown. It was it was an incredible offensive drive by Philadelphia. And look, I'm not giving enough credit to Philadelphia going through this. It's just by nature of being the loser that will sometimes happen. That drive where they go, Goddard completion on third and 14. Uh, that was actually the drive before. Goddard completion on third and 14 was impressive as well. Don't want to skip past that. But point being... Philadelphia gets the giant bomb play to Devonta Smith that sets him up at the goal line. They can run the ball in from anywhere. Again, they were 8-for-9 on third and short, and the only one that they didn't get, they ended up converting on fourth down anyways. It makes your life so much easier when you only have to get 8 yards instead of 10. When you're running 4-down offense the way Sirianni is, and when you only have to get 8 yards to pick up a first down, Man, it opens up your playbook so much for Philadelphia. Because that's basically all they have to do. All they have to do is get eight yards, and they will be able to QB sneak their way to a first down. So when you're playing eight yards and everyone else is playing ten, and you're playing with more four-down territory than anyone else, it's no wonder they were the most prolific rushing offense in the NFL, and it's no wonder they were the highest-scoring offense in the NFL this season. So they score the touchdown, They get the two-point conversion where Jalen Hurts goes to the outside and just keeps running to the edge. Think about that. Jalen Hurts got into the end zone four times in this game. That's really incredible when you think about it from any perspective, not a quarterback or running back. Jalen Hurts ran the ball into the end zone four times in this football game, three touchdowns and a two-point conversion. And at that point, it's 35-35. to 35. There's five minutes and, I believe, 20-something seconds on the clock. 
And I said in all my group chats and all my texts, if Kansas City does this right, Philly will never touch the ball again in this game. As we've been emphasizing all game, Kansas City, is be- their best defense is turnovers and offense having long possessions. And Kansas City did exactly that on that final drive. And I know that the Kansas City big run by Patrick Mahomes, 26 yards on the bum ankle, outrunning everybody on the Philadelphia defensive line and linebacking core in the middle of the field, where it's just amazing that he just keeps having more open space over and over and over again. And as we're watching this play out, it was incredible to watch that play and set them up in field goal range the way they did. But what I want to emphasize is the whole drive itself because it was a master class in when we can do whatever the fuck we want whenever the fuck we want it and the way we do the way we're going to decide to move our offense is as slow and monotonous as possible mixed in with the big plays that will get us into field goal range with two minutes to play and then we can just run out the clock with the benefit of a holding call that was correctly called. And then you have the full drive breakdown that I wanted to get to, which is with 5.15 to go, three-yard run for Isaiah Pacheco. Second and seven, short right completion to Juju Smith-Schuster for 10 yards. It was actually a good play there. Pacheco, two-yard run. Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey, seven-yard completion. Third and one, Kansas City 47-yard line. It's 3.30 to go in the game. Kansas City lines up Mahomes under center. They line up McKinnon on his left side, Pacheco on his right side, both in the backfield, neither lined up directly by the behind the quarterback. They're both lined up like it's a shotgun formation. One to the, where Mahomes if Mahomes were in shotgun, it would be um, McKinnon directly to his left. Pacheco directly to his right. Instead, Mahomes takes the snap from under center. They cross each other off the snap. The misdirection goes to Pacheco. And Pacheco picks up 10 yards off the misdirection play running on the outside because Kansas City was powering into the middle. And once Pacheco got the edge running towards Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney, the stronger side of the offensive line, with an all-pro guard who's now won championships with the Patriots and Kansas City, and Orlando Brown, a former Pro Bowl lineman who they traded a first-round pick for. Running to that left side, Pacheco gets the edge, and if it weren't for a hit by, I believe it was Gardner-Johnson, if it weren't for C.J. Gardner-Johnson's hit, Pacheco probably takes that ball down to the 20-yard line off that misdirection play. Then they get the ball at the 43 under three minutes to go, and that's when you have the 26-yard play by Patrick Mahomes. And the thing I wanted to reemphasize was the short plays to Smith-Schuster and Kelsey, which is Mahomes being the most accurate quarterback, running those two seconds, get the ball out routes, and completing every single one, combined with the misdirection play where Pacheco gets the edge and the stronger side of the offensive line blocks for him to potentially be a 30-yard run. I mean, again, C.J. Gardner-Johnson made an awesome tackle to keep that from going for a 30-yard run on a third and one where Philadelphia kind of knows they're going to run the football. 
Mahomes' 26-yard play ends up being the play of the game, and rightfully so. Those two plays right before that, really three if you want to count the Juju Smith-Schuster one, but those plays right before that are Kansas City doing whatever they want on offense, whenever they want. That's why they're able to do so, is watching those plays right before the Mahomes 26-yard run that sets them up in field goal range. And then obviously after that you have the passner or the holding call on Smith Schuster which probably saved a touchdown and also was correctly called. Bradbury said after the game he pulled on the jersey. So you get the and again, I'm the person who said ever since Rams and Saints that NFC Championship game where the refs missed the call, I said from that point forward If my team gets screwed, so be it. If my team benefits, so be it. I will never, ever, ever be the, oh my God, the refs screwed the game guy. Never, ever going to do that. And I hate the people who are that person after every game. Why would you care so much about something that's out of your control? These people are human. They are going to make mistakes. It is imperfect science, and that is okay. I will accept my team might get screwed. My team might get the benefit. It all comes around full circle. After that penalty, they get the ball, run the clock down to the goal line. They let McKinnon try and score. Kansas City takes two knees. Butker makes the chip shot field goal. Philly had to burn all their timeouts. And they got the ball in three minutes down to the 15-yard line and won the game, doing whatever the fuck they want, whenever the fuck they want on offense, the entire game. And like I said, coming off the top, that's why you don't bet against red. Because the Eagles had all of these advantages, all of these personnel advantages, all these scheme advantages, and at the end of the day, the ability to do whatever the fuck you want, whenever the fuck you want on offense, combined with a couple of timely plays by the defense, even if it's Jalen Hurts tripping, kicking the ball, and having it go the other way for six points. And a punt return by Kadarius Toney, setting you up at the five-yard line. You just need a couple of plays. Whether it's Chris Jones sacking Joe Burrow in the NFC Championship game, or AFC Championship game, you just need a couple of plays. And the reason you just need a couple of plays is because Kansas City's not perfect. It's impossible to be perfect. They're just better than anything else that has ever existed on offense. And even that is not perfect. They got the couple of moments, the couple of plays that got them the championship. Despite the Eagles having a superior running game, a superior offensive line, a superior pass rush, a superior secondary, a linebacking core about as equal to Kansas City with much more experience. Despite having all of these advantages, despite the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles rushing for three touchdowns and rushing for a two-point conversion in one in what might go down as the greatest statistical performance by a losing quarterback in Super Bowl history. If it's not him, it's at least in my lifetime. With all of those competitive advantages, Kansas City's competitive advantage is our personnel, our schemes, our quarterback... And our head coach allow us to do whatever we want on offense whenever we want to do so. 
and we're going to score 38 points, and we could have had 42, we could have had 49. 38 was all we needed to win. And win a Super Bowl, they did. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We're going to have more episodes coming out every day, as we always do. It's going to be a long, fun week talking about Kansas City, talking about the Eagles, talking about the Super Bowl, and talking about everything that we have seen over the past few months. We might also talk about some funny commercials. We'll save that for a conversation with one of our friends. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. As always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. I might go to sleep. I might continue celebrating this Kansas City championship. Not going to take for granted that my baby boy Patrick Mahomes do what he always do. Because I didn't think it would be three years before I saw another one of these. And it might be three years before Kansas City wins another. Whether they do, whether they don't, as Travis Kelsey said, put some respect on Kansas City.